0: I would like to uh, welcome uh, each and every person here for this uh, period of a week which we have here together and in this which is the uh, opening talk of these days I would like to speak a little bit too about some of the themes which we will be exploring, a little bit of the background to uh, spiritual Life and awareness, and something too of the, the day itself, as we go from uh, one day to the next. Most of us at uh, different times in our life, to a greater or lesser degree, feel the, the impact of national or global circumstances not only in our own life, but in the lives of others. And one becomes aware of situations which one might take as an example what was Yugoslavia, a terrible conflict of some medieval barbarity which is taking place there, and the consequences for huge numbers of people. It's only in last few years ago that Europeans were, we were boasting that such a thing could never happen again in Europe and it's happening to a ferocity which is unimaginable an ongoing daily tragedy and the tragedy too of places of Africa which are simply to all extents and purposes in terms of environmental matters and the peoples of parts of that world are simply being forgotten. Why are they forgotten of no strategic importance? We see the tragedies too in our homelands as well, whether of religious conflict of Northern Ireland or the recent events with this cults and all the horror of that. And to many other things we wonder, we ask ourselves, what on earth is going on on our earth? And sometimes in our conversations, in our thoughts, we tend perhaps to oversimplify and to target and particularise the reasons for this, that and the other. And sometimes we feel it's so complex and it's so diverse that nobody seems to have an answer because of the causes and conditions which contribute to circumstances are so diverse. And so sometimes we fall perhaps into the natural enough human error of either simple cause or getting lost in the diversity of it all. And I think somewhere in all of this there's something too which must be of concern to us in terms of our inner life. We can't extrapolate outer circumstances from the inner circumstances of human beings and the inner condition of existence matters and it reveals itself in the outer world. And of course, the impact of the outer world influences and affects our inner world as well inseparably linked inseparably connected with each other and so sometimes we have wondered and we have thought to ourselves even on a small scale if we can provide something of an environment which is healthy and sane and, and caring and deeply good, perhaps such an environment will impact itself significantly on our inner life, touch something warm and deep and wise and enlightened. And perhaps if there's a combination of inner caring and, ex- and, 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 and supportive and beneficial environment, perhaps that inner and outer catalyst can be profoundly significant for the welfare, the enlightenment the realisation of the human being and facilities like IMS and other such places whether it's in the more institutional form in the best sense of the meaning of that word or whether it's in a natural environment or wherever it's a person meets his or her aloneness or with others such environments, such situations as we provide here together provide one of the most beautiful opportunities for a human being to live a truly free and enlightened life, which is a life with wisdom and compassion as the ongoing theme of existence. One's heart feels feels deeply on this earth for those women and men on this earth who are deprived of such opportunities, deprived of such an environment because of the potency of the force of circumstances on people's lives and how destructive it can be. you see this in different ways uh, all over our earth. So facilities like uh, IMF have a very useful and invaluable function to play on earth. They provide a resource, a resource in which the environment is caring and it's safe and it's spacious, and it provides uh, each and every one of us with an opportunity face, existence, as it is. To be as clear in the face of existence. And of course, much which goes on in our so-called inner life. The greed, the selfishness, the egotism, the conceit, the arrogance, the fear, the anxiety, the unsatisfactory conditions of the inner life. In fact, much of the ways that we relate to it is often not much different from the ways that we relate to it when it's, as it were, outside of ourselves. Greed is greed wherever it is on this earth, it's inner inner or outer. Anger and aggression wherever it is on this earth is to be faced, to be seen into Fear confusion, conflict, anxiety wherever it's located it is something which caring human beings values, which have some meaning say, let me face this let me look at this, let me explore this let me see the emptiness of it so when we come into a situation like this and we have perhaps in the course of a year, in fact, just a few days of opportunity in uh, the fullness of such a supportive environment. It's not just for our own welfare and benefit. Even if one even thought like that, it's not even possible. Since you and I and all human beings do have an extremely significant relationship to others. So the way you are as a human being on this earth directly affects and influences the lives of other human beings and just as other human beings have an influence and an impact upon you. So when we put ourselves and hopefully voluntarily put ourselves into the situation of being here that one comes with an awareness that it's not just concerning oneself. because your life and the state of your life concerns others as well, near and far. And the voluntary aspect of arriving here is rather significant because what we have sometimes have noticed in the past that a person, perhaps, that you know, has said, oh, you should go and sit a retreat uh, in very popular mantra in spiritual circles. And one doesn't quite know why the person is insisting that you should come here. Perhaps they have a grudge. (laughs) And so one goes to please this person person or persons, and given, and left to one's own devices, one would um, prefer uh, Cape Cod or something else to the vegetarian diet here. So, in sometimes in arriving here, one looks at one's off and one feels, actually someone else has been leaning on me to... Come here, they've perhaps even driven me here. (laughs) I'm talking about cars, Uh, and it's important that if you are here, and to be as clear as possible that you yourself do wish to be here, and therefore not coming uh, because mummy has sent you, or daughter in some cases. So, in actual presence of being here the motivation, the interest from oneself to be here really is an uh, important and valuable feature. Another aspect too of coming into a situation uh, like this is uh, in a way the spirit of coming and also that of being here. What I mean um, by that is that I consider the spiritual life, that is a life of uh, deep uh, Awareness, reverence for life, passion for existence and for realization that really is what matters. And for those of you who have come this evening for the very first time to IMS, um, may have noticed if it's still there, um, the Buddha image which is behind me and also other. Uh, religious reminders in the facility here for some people there is a genuine appreci- appreciation for these works of art and they can serve as a valuable reminder of the religious uh, spirit and the healthy aspects of the spiritual life but for others and I think very very understandably they can be a little bit disconcerting and somewhat uh, off putting and I would say to uh, such uh, people that I agree with them and the uh, religious forms themselves I think are um, kind of little entertainment and what's far more important and significant is looking deeply into life. If the images are pictures or statues or any other symbols around here serve as a reminder of deep spiritual awareness in life, well and good. If they don't, then please regard them at best as works of art. certainly not to be seen in any specialized category whatsoever. In uh, coming also, another point in terms of coming into the facility uh, here, that the day itself is a comprehensive and full day and for several years uh, Shada who in another lifetime used to be called Henrietta um, and I have been teaching here as well as other parts uh, of the uh, world and on her many trips now to India in the course of one of them she uh, received the name uh, Shada, and I think she's been, for a long time, has been looking for an excuse to drop the name Henrietta, (laughs) Um, and so, Shada, it is. (laughs) I might be misquoting there, please forgive me, (laughs) Shada. And uh, Jose, of course, has been here as well uh, for the past uh, three years or so, assisting, and myself in our uh, relationship to uh, each and every person here that for uh, the three of us that the relationship uh, is one of mutual exploration, it is one of essentially providing um, spiritual teachings for the insight and the emancipation in fact of the human being, that is the main single purpose. And uh, with that, the relationship is very much from the time of uh, arrival to the time of departure and beyond, is one of speaking as uh, adults to adults. And no other relationship, I feel, in the spiritual life is uh, acceptable. And, and unfortunately, there's a very sad, long history of religious life deteriorating into one of parents or parent to children. Blind devotion and and blind guruology to go along with it. And here this relationship right from the very beginning is certainly one of adults communicating to adults, offering teachings to adults and we relating to each other on that basis and on that basis alone. And I think that, in a way, pays respect through the teachings. Never mind Child and Jose and myself. Through the teachings, this is what matters. And I do feel that we, in our uh, immense privileges as teachers, the best thing that we can do is keep out of the way as much as possible. Let the teachings do the teachings. In that, with regard to the day itself and the uh, full uh, comprehensive picture, shall we say, of the day, it covers um, a number of areas. And there are threads and themes which uh, run through uh, the day, regardless of the activity there. And this you begin to sense, I think, and pick up as we speak to you, as you explore, and see for yourself whether what is applied here does have deep use and deep value in the daily life. It's on that principle. So one of the features that to apply, self-evident silence. Silence. Precious, precious, so precious beyond belief. Silence so precious it's beyond belief. And thus, during the day, from this evening and right through until um, time next Friday morning, there is this element of silence. And how often and how easily in our daily life, just as much as we become intolerant of so much in this, in this world in different ways we actually also can become quite intolerant towards silence and here we say let the silence reveal, let the silence show things which our conceiving mind, our thinking mind our emotional mind An emotional heart can't show to us that silence can. And therefore there's tremendous respect here in the life of spirituality for allowing silence to have an opportunity to be a revelation of that which thought and mind and ideas and opinions and beliefs will obscure no matter how rational the belief No matter how sure one is of certain things silence can show something else. So that silence becomes a uh, lovely theme of life. Another theme which runs through and acts as an interfacing, an interweaving thread through the days here is the teachings which speak of the lovely, profound significance of the here and now. And of course we hear this here and now in the old Pali language and the language that the Buddha spoke, he would say Ditte Dharma, Ditte Dharma. And roughly translated it's here and now. More precisely, Ditte Dharme is seeing the present of something. Dharma, Dite, seeing, viewing, observing, perceiving, seeing the presence of something. What in life is truly worth seeing the presence of? What in life? Just recently, as you know, it's just been Easter week. And I was reading the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Jesus' lovely comment of the teachings, and in one line he says something quite, he says, he's asked, should we go and find out about this teacher and about that teacher? And sometimes there is something of a a spiritual supermarket in this uh, world that we live in and people run off here and run off there. And he said, in response, where the dead are, the vultures will fly. Where the dead are, the vultures will fly. And then he begins to explain and go deeper. and, And I say this, to all those who tend to run around the world looking for the, the teacher. And then he says, to be alert, to be ever alert because the kingdom of God is among you. So sometimes as I say, in teachings of silence, teachings of here and now, it's the teachings of realization, of discovery, of in the presence of a thing. In the presence of us. So when Ashada and Jose and I are speaking, we're not speaking very much about development and uh, cultivation of and practicing of and arriving at a certain goal a long way down the spiritual line, a few weeks, months, years, lifetimes, as some we do in the Buddhist tradition. Because all of that tends to be something, I think, of a, a diffusing capacity of a human being to find and discover something in this silence, dite dame, in the presence of something here and now. And so we're not much into the developmental model why let the something in the future when for goodness me it's right before our eyes so this is the kind of the thrust, the thread the uh, half of the teaching that we try to convey each uh, morning after um, Uh, the breakfast time, there is the work period. The uh, work period, common to uh, most of the facilities and the centres, has a a twofold purpose. One is to get you to work, and um, the second is that your work activity, in fact, is a very lovely contribution to the centre itself. As most of you know, the staff on a very small stipend here, that they come essentially in a voluntary capacity to uh, provide a tremendous support for each one of us to come and spend these days here, and by engaging in the work, it really helps in a practical way the staff, the centre, and all of us, all of you particularly, in voluntary work keeping the cost of the daily base as as possible and I'm sure you uh, would agree uh, with me that it's quite remarkable that uh, such a large facility as this and certainly one of the most respected facilities in spiritual life in the western world um, is able to provide what it does these ongoing teaching at a rate which is uh, extremely modest for the, for the whole 24 hour day cycle and also of course our life does embrace and include a great deal of um, work, activity whether we like it or not and that involvement in such activities that heart and mind and body are coordinated together the hour of time you give to the work really supports your well-being and others in a a conscious way. And my goodness me, this is one thing our earth is desperately short of and that's consciousness. All the sophisticated technology in the world isn't the answer for being conscious. And it's with conscious women and conscious men and conscious children on this earth the impregnation into life of consciousness this is what we need otherwise everything gets abused because human beings are not conscious of what we are, who we are and what our influence so here and now, silence meditation community, spending time together, supportive and caring environment each and every one of these factors in life contribute to opening out of consciousness. And then consciousness can infuse working life. And some of you have come here and some thousands, tens of thousands of people who have passed through the doors of IMS have, have come, have no idea of what such a facility is. No idea if Awarenesses and meditation and the contemplative life can impact on one's existence, and people's thousands of lives have been changed in this hall itself. And things have flowered and opened up for a person which previously a person had thought unimaginable. Unimaginable. And that's what consciousness does, and we contribute each and every one of us to that. After breakfast, each morning, there's uh, the sitting, and the first part of that sitting includes some period of time for meditation uh, instructions, 10, 15, 20 minutes or so. And we do think it's uh, important, the three of us, that we uh, endeavor to keep you as well informed and as clear as possible with regard to the meditation instructions so that each day you are in touch with what is occurring. Also, uh, regularly through the retreat, we meet with you, we have a number of small uh, group uh, meet- meetings, and during the day one of us will be seeing you, and also we make some time and space for some uh, one-to-one meetings as well. And with regard to that, it become. A bit of a um, uh, what should we call it? A ritual or a habit here at um, IMS, if I may say for myself. I've been coming twice a year since uh, um, '77. I have, I have, I think, I've only ever been in those other buildings over there, if I may say, uh, once, or at the most twice in 15 years. My whole world here consists mostly of uh, M101, that's the room I stay in, the, the meditation hall. And um, the um, the staff dining room, the latter, which of course I prefer the most. And but there's a ritual that goes on at IMS, and it's it's the notorious, internationally notorious clipboard. And people, it's unique to this facility, in which every time, as teachers, we go out from the meditation room to um, dare I say, retreat to our room, and one goes past the bottom of the stairs there, and there used to be a clip, and there's a kind of momentum that, that builds up from one day to the next of people leaving notes with requests for uh, in- interviews, and which is nice, and we do appreciate these uh, um, requests, at least we think we do, and... Unfortunately, what happens is that we, are, we have been unable to uh, cope with the the number of um, pieces of paper that uh, gather under the clip. And after a day or two, someone writes write a note, Oh, Christopher, I uh, wrote a note to you two days ago, and I haven't that, that, and now I'm in a crisis, etc. <laughs> so, we we have decided to go against this, this is almost revolutionary at IMS, And um, we've basically um, removed the clips. <laughs> it's called a liberation movement. <laughs> so, um, I'll leave it at that for the moment. The strategy which is employed elsewhere is that um, um, people, whether when Shara and I are teaching in uh, India or West Coast, or England, or wherever we are, is that usually um, the person stops us in our tracks, and um, asks, and then they give a time. Because sometimes what I think does happen, that person, I don't want to ramble on too much about this, but I will, that a uh, um, person has something going on in the state of mind or body, as they leave here to go um, elsewhere to recover and see the clip, you see, and then write a note. And then by the time we see the person, it happens quite regularly, the person has completely forgotten what they wrote the note about. So um, we'd like it to make it m- a little bit more pressing for you. And less for us. <laughs> <clears throat> With regard to the so there's the day of the meditations, the small group meetings. We make spaces and times, of course, for one-to-one meetings. And also there is the uh, evening talk. Each evening there's a talk. It generally lasts for about 40 minutes. And with regard to the talk, as were the other aspects too as well, on the same principle, unshakable principle, this, if something useful is said during the time of the teachings then we are uh, overwhelmingly happy about it. And if something which is said is useless, then just remember that there are exit signs around, and one is not obliged to come to another thought, if one can survive that one. And if uh, something needs to be discussed, then in a small group or one-to-one, please bring it up. One thing we don't want to do is to foist a belief system on anybody It's got to work it's got to be practical it's got to be useful and hopefully genuinely insightful. You are the measure of it, not me or others telling you you are the measure for that it's your life um I just like um Shada and Jose have to say one or two uh, words um, and I'll uh, leave that and that will include um, a little bit of um, instructions. but one small more major thing really I would also mention and which is shared amongst all teachers who come to the centre here and others with which we have a connection and that is the underpinning of the ethical guidelines. Simply, firstly, not to engage in uh, killing, nor in fact, I would say, for the support of killing. Not to engage in stealing, or to supported it, in sexual abuse, in lying, in abuse of alcohol and drugs. Each one of these gives the element of support and kindness and safety to life on earth and... I'm sure we could all deeply appreciate what a dramatically different world it would be if these were observed. Religion would be rendered almost irrelevant. Human beings understood the nature of interdependent relationships, interconnected relationships, and said, I want to treat others as I wish to be treated. Therefore, I don't want to kill, I don't want to steal, I don't want to engage in sexual abuse, I don't want to tell lies, I don't abuse alcohol and drugs nor the consequences of it. And in this environment that we have here, we in order that meditation isn't just mental gymnastics, it needs and requires that underpinning of these ethical guidelines so that there is safety and security in our environment. From that meditation, deeper reflections on life can unfold. Out of all of this can come much heart opening, much wisdom and compassion, and the very jewel of spiritual life is re- true release of being in a wondrous, not life denying way, but in a very wondrous mystical way. Oh, anyway, very regret to say anything. Oh lot no. I'm <laughs> going